Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The Volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Monday, everybody. I hope all of you guys had an incredible weekend. Round two coverage of the NBA playoffs here at Hoops Tonight is brought to you by Chase Freedom Unlimited. How do you cash back? Today, we're going to be doing our Chase three-point segment like we do every Monday. I'm going to focus on three major adjustments that I expect in three particular series. We're going to hit Warriors, Lakers, Suns, Nuggets, and Celtics, Sixers. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to The Volume's YouTube channel. So you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Jason LT. So you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. All right, let's start. Number one, Warriors Lakers, who will play with more force? Now, we talk a lot about tactical adjustments on this show. Um, in this particular series on the Lakers side of things, it's been switching Jared Vanderbilt onto Draymond Green so that they could switch the Steph Draymond pick and roll. Anthony Davis coming much higher out of his drop coverage with active hands to dissuade the pocket pass, getting him touches on the move in the Lakers offense so that he can attack downhill at Draymond Green. And just in general, playing with force. And the reason why I want to talk about force, Draymond Green himself in his Game 3 podcast for the volume, and I actually tweeted this link out so you can see the specific quote from Draymond Green that I'm talking about if you guys go to my Twitter feed. But he talked about like, hey, like, who's going to play with more force? Like, the the Lakers played with more force in Game 3. The Warriors played with more force in Game 2. He said, and I thought it was a really well put point by Draymond Green. He goes, he goes, the biggest adjustment that any NBA team can make in the playoffs is to play with more force. Now, what does that mean? That means that everything you do is harder. You're sliding your feet better defensively. You're crashing the boards harder. You're running the floor harder in transition. 
on offense. When you make a cut, you cut harder. When you set a screen, you set the screen with more physicality. When you drive the ball to the rim, you drive the ball to the rim with purpose and force. It essentially is just all of the physical exertion of the game who wins that battle. Um, I love the tactical side of things. I think it's super interesting. You guys know that we focus a lot on that in this show, but no matter what, every coverage can work as long as it's executed properly. And execution is a lot of the mental side of things and being in the right spots and knowing your job, but it's also doing your job, right? Like a Spain pick and roll, for instance, where we set a high ball screen, the big man rolls to the basket and a shooter relocates to the top. If the big man doesn't set a hard enough screen on the ball handler, he's not going to get separation, plays blown up. The Spain pick and roll shooter relocating from the basket up to the top of the key, if he doesn't cut hard and with purpose and get his feet set ready to shoot, he won't be able to make them pay for being left open and the play can cease to function. If the ball handler doesn't set up his man for the ball screen properly to get him caught on it, the whole play can blow up. Again, it's less about the coverage, it's less about the tactical side of things, and more about the players just doing their jobs harder, faster, stronger, and more in tune with what the game plan asks, right? And, you know, it's funny because one of the biggest plot lines of this particular series has been the foul line and getting or, uh, just the officiating in general. And in the first game, I thought the Lakers played with more force. They got to the free throw line a ton. The Warriors didn't. Um, I had a lot of Warriors fans go like, hey, you said the Warriors got a better whistle in game two. Why is it that they were even in free throws? That's play style. Like, the, Naturally, with the way these teams play, with the Lakers having a, a couple of guys and guys like Dennis Schroeder and Austin Reeves who are gifted at drawing fouls, like foul grifting. D'Angelo Russell, I'd throw in that group too. He's really good at like dribbling and extending that right arm and waiting for you to grab that arm and then going up into his shot knowing he's going to get a foul. Now, the NBA has fought against those things by making it so that if you do an unnatural shooting motion, it's just a regular foul and not a shooting foul. But hey, you get five fouls in a quarter, you're going to the foul line. They've been able to grift their way into free throw attempts. Then LeBron James and Anthony Davis, Dennis Schroeder as well, just playing with a ton of downhill force attacking the rim. Those things combine to make them Throughout this entire season, one of the very best teams at getting to the foul line that's been consistent throughout the year. The Warriors, totally different type of offensive style. They take a ton of off-the-dribble and movement jump shots. Those are just far less likely to send you to the foul line, and they don't really rely on foul grifting that much. It's not really in the identity of any of their players. And so the Warriors, all season long, were a team that didn't get to the free throw line very often. So when we see the free throw dynamic oscillate in this series, it's going to go from being more even, where both teams kind of attempt the same amount of free throws, to the landslide Laker victories where they attempt 20, 25, 30 more free throws than the Warriors. That's just the dynamic. You're not going to see a game in this series where the Warriors attempt 35 free throws and the Lakers attempt 10. That is physically impossible because of their play styles. But in my opinion... The whole like home court back and forth thing only plays a tiny role in officiating. What really plays a role in officiating is playing with force. So, for instance, if I as the defender am not playing with as much force, not sliding my feet as well, not anticipating things before they happen, not being as dialed in and locked in, my rotations are a bit slower, I'm slower fighting over screens, I am going to be out of position. Now, if I am out of position as a defender 
And the offensive player is playing with force, setting hard screens, cutting with force, driving with force, pushing in transition with force. They're going to be coming at me while I am out of position, which is going to force me to either concede an open layup or to commit fouls. I, I use the example of the two plays where Draymond Green fell. Uh, his final foul, his fifth foul, I disagreed with. The one where Draymond Green got knocked over by AD, thought that was a bad call. And like we talk about, bad calls happen in NBA games. But the two before that, where Draymond tried to take a charge, I thought he was just a second late because AD is playing with a certain amount of force and Draymond didn't quite match it. That same dynamic flips in game four. Draymond moves his feet a little bit quicker, anticipates it a tiny bit faster. Anthony Davis not quite bringing the same level of downhill force. Now he's in position instead of out of position, and that is a charge. That's kind of the dynamic that I'm talking about. Now, playing with force is going to determine what the whistle is. Laker played with more force in game one, shot a ton more free throws. Warriors played with a ton more force in game two, much more even free throw dynamic. Game three, Lakers play with a ton more force. They dominate the game in the uh, at the foul line. So, why specifically does the whistle matter so much in this series? Because of the fact that Anthony Davis, and what he's capable of as a defender, has just about erased the Warriors' half-court offense. Not completely erased, but in this playoff setting, he's done a ton of damage to the Warriors' half-court offense, right? But the Lakers have one of the worst transition defenses in the league. If I, I believe they were like 29th or something this year. I'll have to look it up, and I'll bring it up next time we talk about it. But... That means that the Warriors have an infinitely higher chance of scoring against the Lakers when they get out in transition versus when they're attacking their set defense in the half court. So if the Lakers can get to the foul line 30 times in a game, and I think they were almost 40 times in game three, if they get to the foul line a ton, every single time they do that, they get to set their defense. Whereas if they don't send them to the foul line, they can push on every single miss and even a made shot while it is easier to set your defense in a made shot situation. It is harder to set your defense in a set sh- in a made shot situation than a made free throw situation. Because in the free throw situation, I've already got three defenders back. They're already back. The other two guys, you know, they're usually your guard. They usually put guards in there so so they can pick up the ball handler right after they inbound the ball. Like your defense is already set. But the la- the Warriors, if they stay out of foul trouble, can push on misses and push on makes and have a much higher chance of catching the Lakers before Anthony Davis is prepared to blow up everything they do offensively. So when I say who will play with more force is the deciding factor in the series, it's because whoever plays with more force will get a better whistle, and whoever gets a better whistle will be able to set their defense better, and that will end up winning the game. So um, we're heading into game four tonight. I expect this game to be very close because I expect the Warriors to play with a lot more force than they did in Game 3, and I expect the Lakers to play with a little bit less. I expect it to be close, and it's going to come down to, at the end of the game, Steph Curry um, uh, trying to create offense against this Laker defense and the and how many stops the Lakers can get to get out to get out in transition. As of right now, per my prediction before the series of Lakers and 6, I predict the Lakers will win a tight, close game tonight then go on the road to Golden State in Game 5 and lose before they close out the series in Game 6. All right, let's move on to Suns Nuggets. Number two, can Phoenix bring their pull-up jump shooting on the road? So what did I say before the series? I said that this entire series was going to come down to uh, to Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Chris Paul, although he ended up not playing, 
but their ability to knock down pull-up jump shots off the dribble, right? Kevin Durant doesn't get to the rim very much, although he's done a much better job in the last two games of attacking the rim with as much physicality as he can, getting to the foul line, generating offense there. Um, but both him and Devin Booker, they're a little thin. So like when Denver actually has the paint packed, there's not a whole lot they can do to get to the rim or force their way for easy shots close to the paint the way that Jokic can do on the other end, right? So, so much of what they do offensively comes down to can they hit these tough contested pull-up jump shots and hit enough of them to draw enough attention so that you open up opportunities for your teammates on the other side of the floor. And in the two losses in Denver, they shot a 41.3% effective field goal percentage on pull-up jumpers. Not very good. They averaged just 29 points per game on pull-up jumpers in those first two games. Then they come to Phoenix and they shot 59% effective field goal percentage on pull-up jumpers at home. Averaging 44 points per game. So an 18% improvement in effective efficiency and a 15 point per game uh, improvement in total volume. So just, and they, they went 2 and 0 in those games that they shot well, and they went 0 and 2 in those games that they didn't. So just like we predicted before the series, pull up jump shooting for the Suns has been the determining factor in this series so far. Now, on an adjustment level, thought this was really smart for Monty Williams. He stopped going to Torrey Craig, and he stopped going to Josh Okoji, and he went heavy on his players that can shoot. Guys like Terrence Ross, guys like TJ Warren, guys like Landry Shamit, right? Landry Shamit was the beneficiary of a lot of those double-team kickout threes in the weak side corner in game four. You know, KD post up, draw that double-team, swing, 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 Landry Shamit's wide open. You know, Devin Booker comes off a pick-and-roll, drags both players, swing, 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 Landry Shamit, wide open three, right? There was even a really nice counter from Devin Booker that I liked at the end of game four where Landry Shamit was open on the weak side, but DeAndre Ayton just uh, deep-sealed on Michael Porter Jr. underneath the basket. Devin Booker made a really nice feed to DeAndre Ayton under the basket and made a little hook shot in the lane. Again, that's the dynamic. They need to make enough shots that the Nuggets sell the farm to stop them so that they can get all these wide-open shots on the weak side. If Devin Booker and KD don't make those shots, if they shoot... 41% effective field goal percentage on pull-up jump shots. The Nuggets are going to be much more willing to let KCP, Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, those guys take those defensive assignments more on an island because the efficiency isn't quite there for Booker and KD. Then you can stay home off the ball, at least to a better extent, and limit some of those off-ball shots. So everything comes down to those pull-up jump shots. They have to make them. They have to make enough of them to draw the attention then they can take advantage of all the offensive personnel that they have on the floor. Um, and then on the other end of the floor, you know, that's been what's nice is they struggled to contain this Jokic-Murray attack, but they were struggling to contain it even with Torrey Craig and Josh Okoji. But at least at this point, they're giving themselves a chance to outscore Denver, which they've now managed to do twice in the series. All right, number three, Celtics Sixers. I think that the Celtics have to start devoting extra attention to James Harden the way they did to Joel Embiid. Now, this is kind of crosswise to the way you used to guard James Harden. Like I've always said uh, over the last couple years, like, hey, make James Harden a scorer and send, throw the kitchen sink at Joel Embiid. And the reason why I believed that was because James Harden typically over the course of his career in series fades late in the series as teams start to figure out his ISO moves. But credit to James Harden. 
he has, even in this environment where the where Boston is forcing him to play to his weaknesses, he has been able to counter that and have success playing to his weaknesses. James Harden's typical weakness is he can't score in the mid-range and he can't go right. And the only way he goes right is for that step back three, right? And so a lot of times James Harden will play into that by settling for really tough step back threes that he doesn't make as much at the end of series or driving into too much contact at the paint and not being able to finish and not being able to get to the foul line as the whistle gets tighter in the playoffs. That's what used to be the case. James Harden has proven in this series that is no longer the case. He is getting stronger. He was the best player for the Sixers last night. He saved them while Joel Embiid was fading under the individual defense of Al Horford down the stretch of that game. And what was so interesting to me about it is he did it all in the mid-range, driving to the right. So Boston forced him to what what he's uncomfortable doing, and he succeeded doing that. There was a late play, late clock situation, isolation on Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum cuts off his left hand. He gets back to his right, bumps him hard with his shoulder, and makes a floater in the lane. Then he gets Jalen Brown in a late clock rescue possession situation. Same thing. Drives left, gets cut off, gets back to his right hand, hard step back jumper, mid-range jump shot. And then the final possession that tied it to send it to OT. I want to say it was like 105, 103 at this point. He gets the ball, inbounds, um, catches Al Horford on a switch. It drives hard to the left. Al Horford, just like every Celtics defender has done in the entire series, cuts him off. James Harden cuts back to his right, gets into the lane, and makes the floater that ties the game. James Harden has proven that he has improved his weaknesses enough to be a dominant playoff player in the mid to late portions of series in a way that he didn't used to be earlier in his career. Credit to James Harden, but Boston has to do something about it. So tactically, down the stretch of that game, Philly had P.J. Tucker on the floor and they had Marcus Smart on P.J. Tucker. Now in those last two shots, the Jalen Brown step back, the step back over Jalen Brown and the floater on Al Horford. The Tatum one, they had four shooters on the floor, so I'm not sure what you can do there other than concede a three-point shot to somebody. But when P.J. Tucker was on the floor for those last two shots, Marcus Smart offered very late help. He's guarding P.J. Tucker, sitting in the lane. As, as uh, um, James Harden is already getting downhill and already shed Jalen Brown, then Marcus Smart comes up and offers a helpless contest on that little jump shot in the lane. On the Al Horford shot, same thing. Just way too late to get involved in the play. He was guarding P.J. Tucker in the corner on this one. Came sprinting in at the end and offered like a kind of a meaningless contest after James Harden had already got to the peak of his release. In this situation, you have to do what you would do to Joel Embiid. What happened at the end of the game when Joel Embiid had a hard drive on Al Horford at the end of OT, what did the Celtics do? Jalen Brown on James Harden, abandoned James Harden to attack Joel Embiid, left James Harden, of all people, wide open, and he made the three that ended up being the eventual game winner. You have the ability to do that with Marcus Smart. And yeah, P.J. Tucker's going to have a free run to an offensive rebound or something along those lines, but you have the size and athleticism to gang rebound around him, especially with Horford under the rim. 
So when James Harden is going to these ISOs at the end of the game and P.J. Tucker is on the floor, I think they need to sell out off of PJ, uh, off of P.J. Tucker with Marcus Smart to get the ball out of James Harden's hands. He's cooking everybody. He cooked your two best perimeter defenders in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. He was victimizing Malcolm Brogdon down the end of that game. You need to do something to get the ball out of James Harden's hands. He has now torched you in live ball dribble isolation situations above the break in two games in the series, and you lost both of them. He's proven he can beat you when he funnels you when you funnel him to his weaknesses. Got to get the ball out of his hands. All right, my three points were brought to you by Chase Freedom Unlimited. Earn 5% on travel purchased through Chase, 3% on dining, including takeout, 3% at drugstores, and 1.5% on everything else. How do you cash back? All right, guys. We will be back later tonight after the final buzzer of Warriors-Lakers. As always, I appreciate you guys. A couple more weeks on this grind before we get to the NBA Finals, and it'll be a little different as we go every third night, but we'll have stuff during the day as well. Um, I appreciate you guys rocking with me, and I'll see you later tonight. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.